0: I thought that, you know, money was like, it was the goal was like financial freedom. Once I get financially free, everything's going to be taken care of, blah, blah, blah. But I didn't realize that it's not the money that defines anything at the end of the day. On our path to financial freedom, it's not the end result or the end goal. It's the person that we have to become in order to be able to create financial freedom, the self-development that we have to go through, the growth and challenges and, and things that we have to push ourselves through and push ourselves outside of our comfort zone and growing in areas and getting better in areas so that we can become the people that we need to be in order to do the things we need to do to become financially free with no limitations. What does your perfect day look like? What if it's possible to live like that every day? Would you wake up after 9am, have perfect health, maybe fire your boss, have the money and freedom to do what you love most? The world is your oyster. Where would you be? Who would you be with? The possibilities are endless. Whether you believe it's possible for you or not, you can make more, work less, and live free. Welcome to Freedom Hack Radio, where entrepreneur, best-selling author, world traveler and adventurer, Bryce Robertson, and special guests crack the code on money, health, relationships, spirituality, and having fun doing what you love most. Be inspired to create your own self-designed freedom lifestyle. Welcome to Freedom Hack Radio. I'm your host, Bryce Robertson, and today we are talking about the big one, guys. The thing that many people fail to master in life, the thing that people think will bring us the most happiness and will solve all our problems. Today, my friends, we are talking about financial wealth. This episode is created for newbies to the financial wealth realm, and it'll also progress into a more advanced discussion later in this episode for those with uh, who are more financially savvy. So stick with me all the way through this, and it's at least going to be a, a refresher for those who are crushing it financially. Uh, First off, I have to have a disclaimer. I'm not a financial advisor. I'm not a lawyer or tax advisor. I'm not giving investment advice. It's pure education. And you'll need to get your own financial legal tax uh, advice to suit your goals and your specific needs and circumstances. So this is general education only. And I'll tell you what I'm doing and what works for me but you guys will need to consult with your own advisors and figure out what works best for you. So um, today we are talking about financial wealth. So why do I say financial wealth and not just wealth? Well, that's because wealth comes in many different forms. You know, most of us when we talk about wealth, we were probably relating to financial wealth. But we could be wealthy if we have a lot of love in our life. That's a lot of wealth. Uh, We could also have a whole bunch of food supplies, which is something that a lot of people have right now. That's also wealth, we could be wealthy in happiness, we could be wealthy in health. Um, So But today we're going to talk about financial wealth because this is number one of five core principles for living a freedom lifestyle. We need to grow our financial wealth because when we grow our financial wealth, not only does that take care of things financially, it helps us in the other core areas of our life as well. So when we go out there and and create a bunch of wealth, then when we're talking about our relationships, now we can take our kids to Disneyland or we can uh, take our partner out for dinner or buy them the, the thing that we wanted to buy them. It allows us to, to do things uh, and have more fun and expand in our relationships because we've taken care of ourselves financially. Uh, as, as far as health, same thing being financially wealthy is going to be able to enhance our health as well. Because now we can go out there and maybe we want a massage therapist for like, you know, once every two weeks or something, or maybe we've really wanted to have a gym subscription to like say CrossFit or like a certain type of uh, gym subscription that's been a little bit above our pay grade. But now we can go out there and we can get that maybe we want to get a a personal coach. Uh, All of these things are possible when we expand our wealth. So the more that we build one of these areas that we're talking about that is a core principle for living a freedom lifestyle, we expand the other areas as well. So, uh, but why am I mentioning financial wealth before we talk about, say, health or relationships or spirituality or having fun? Well, you know, when we talk about the five core areas of living a freedom lifestyle, we have wealth, uh, health, relationship, spirituality, and having fun. It's really up to you which one of those is the most important. And uh, I, I don't want to necessarily say that financial wealth is the most important out of those. But that's really up to you. And whatever the most important is out of those five will probably change even in your life. It changes for me. uh, It changes. It'll change in your life. You'll categorize things as you're moving along and there'll be certain things that you need to work on more than others. But the reason we're tackling financial wealth first is because it's it's the first thing that people feel like they need to get under control so that they can handle everything else in life or so that they can expand and grow in other areas of life. So it's kind of like the elephant in the room and I'd rather take some bites into that big elephant so that we can, uh, we can break it down and we can and move beyond. So today we're starting off with financial wealth. So before we dig into it, let's bust a few financial myths. So myth number one, you need money to make money. Myth number two, you need to be experienced to make money. Myth number three, and this one's relevant, especially to people in business or people in real estate, you need good credit to make money. So I just gave you three myths. And these are three things that I used to believe too. you know, in the beginning, when I was searching for abundance and freedom and financial freedom, I thought I couldn't get it started because I didn't have money. I wasn't experienced and I didn't have good credit. In fact, I actually had a negative net worth. So it means I had more debt than I had, and I had no assets. Um, I had more debt than savings or, and then Uh, I had unseasoned credit, because I hadn't been in America long enough to actually build credit, I just hadn't had that time length. And I didn't have experience in real estate, which was the arena that I was joining. So in the beginning, I thought, like, how am I possibly going to get a deal done? But then I went to my first real estate meeting and found out you don't need money, you don't need experience, and you don't need, you don't need credit, you can actually team up with somebody who has that, if you're willing to do all the work. Um, and you can exchange your hard work and your drive and your enthusiasm. Uh, and then you can, you can partner with people who have the other things that you don't have. And that's how you can get started. So there's an abundance of ways uh, to make money. You don't need everything to all be lined up and perfect for you before you get started. In fact, I bought my first mobile home park. I just told you the circumstances. And it, it was a, a five hundred and seventy, I think, or $580,000 uh, mobile home park. And I did that with those circumstances, negative net net worth, uh, I had $2,000 in the bank, and I had unseasoned credit, and I didn't have any experience either. So you really don't need those things to get started and become financially free. And you know, I also know of single mothers who have kids, uh, twins even, uh, who are taking massive action to create financial freedom, uh, or they already have created financial freedom. I also know of physically and mentally disabled people who are doing like a hundred times better than the average Westerner who's like stuffing their face with corn chips and drinking soda and watching Netflix on the couch. I mean, I've got a mate who's a quadriplegic. And in my opinion, he's living a better life and he's having more fun than tons of people that I see out there. So, you know, if if you're thinking that, you know, your circumstances are the worst. And it's like, oh, you don't understand. You don't understand what my circumstances are. I can almost assure you that there's somebody else out there that has worse circumstances than you and that has already achieved the things that you want to achieve or something similar or maybe even something even better or, or larger. So, uh, you know, have confidence in yourself. You really, you really don't need all of these things that you think you need to get started. And, uh, you know, as Tony Robbins said, uh, he said it best in one of his TED talks, the reason that we fail is not a lack of resources. And when I say resources, I mean, like, you know, money, credit experience. It's a lack of resourcefulness, like creativity, tenacity, agility, resilience to bounce back after pitfalls, you know, the ability to join the dots, so to speak. That's, <laughs> it's a lack of resourcefulness, not a, a lack of resources, which is the main reason why we fail or we don't get the things done that we want to get done. Um, so if you're not getting what you want, drop the BS that you're feeding yourself because there's someone out there with worse circumstances that have already achieved the thing that you want to achieve. And if they can do it, so can you. And like, seriously, if I, I've achieved financial freedom, if I can do this, you guys can totally do this. Absolutely. So, and you know, I know that there's some of you out there that are also thinking, but hold up a minute here, you know, making money goes against my spirituality. And you know, I've heard that so many times. And I think that's a severe lack of understanding. Um, you know, I've had people say to me that, oh, but you know, in the Bible, it says, uh, the the root of um, money is the root of all evil. And, uh, you know, people have said that to me. And I, I mean, I'm not a theologist, I don't even know that much about the Bible. But uh, I know that what it actually does say in the Bible is the love of money is the root of all evil, which is very different. It's not money that's evil. It's whoever is behind the money could have the potential to do something evil or not. So really money's just going to amplify whoever you are. So if you're an a-hole, then and you're not making much money, when you have an abundance of money, there's a fair possibility that you are going to be an amplified version of an a-hole. But on the flip side of the coin, if you're a loving, caring, generous, giving person uh, before you become financially free or before you become financially wealthy, then when you do become financially wealthy or financially free, You're going to be a much more amplified, loving, caring, generous, giving person. So it really just makes us more of what we are. So it's not money that is the root of all evil. It's a love of money. So if you're out there and your child needs school clothes and school books and you're choosing to not buy that and you want to go out there and buy yourself some designer shoes, then you've got like your priorities mixed up. And uh, if if you're loving money, if like money is going to control your life, then you've got your priorities mixed up there too. You know, money is amazing. We live in a world unless you're going to live, say in Alaska, in the middle of nowhere, and you can maybe trade trade like salmon for other supplies, and maybe you you hunt and shoot some ducks and you can swap that unless you're living in that kind of lifestyle, or you're like an Eskimo, the rest of us in the world, the way that we transfer things is through money. So it's important. So we need to crack the code on money. um, Because unless we're going to live in circumstances where money doesn't exist, or currency doesn't exist, then we have to like play with the game, right? And that's how it works. So it's something that the the more money we create, actually, the more that we can do, and the more we can help people. You know, the more we can help others. For example, I've got a I've got a mate who uh, he, he lives here in America. He traveled over to Nepal, and he was over there. He was in the Himalayas. He was like you know hiking. I think he went to base camp and. Uh, in k1. And he had a great time over there. And then he also saw some children that were lacking schooling and lacking nutrition. So he actually was supposed to stop his trip and come back to the States. But he stayed over there. And he and he literally opened up a uh, non for profit foundation, where they provide finances to be able to provide food. And schooling for children in Nepal. And so he's actually, I mean, he started that like years and years ago. And he's and since then, he, he started at raising it through his own capital, his own money, he invested his own money into it to get it started. And then as things progressed, he built some momentum, and then he, he raised some capital. But the whole time he's been putting in, I think, at least 10-15% of all of the funds just comes from him, because he's really passionate about it. And that's an opportunity for him to give in an area that he wants to give. Uh, I also have another friend here in America who set up a uh, a similar type thing, but it was in Central America and building uh, classrooms for children out of uh, mud and empty plastic bottles like an empty Coke bottle and being very resourceful and, uh, and taking care of things that way, but also taking care of kids. And that was also a non for profit. And uh, I mean, there's, you you can do what you want. Some people want to create a no kill shelter. Some people want to go help their kids, you know, So, like, some of you out there just want to give your kids the best life that you can possibly give. And you want to, you want to take them out wakeboarding. And maybe you want to take them skiing and go to Disneyland and traveling and you want to have, you want to give them all the things that you want. If you're not taking care of yourselves financially, you won't have the ability to be able to do that. You know, the more we the more money we create, the more we grow also in self development. You know, when, When I started uh, my path towards financial freedom, I thought that, you know, money was like, it was the goal was like financial freedom. Once I get financially free, everything's going to be taken care of blah, blah, blah. But I didn't realize that it's not the money that defines anything at the end of the day. On our path to financial freedom, it's not the end result or the end goal. It's the person that we have to become in order to be able to create financial freedom, the self-development that we have to go through, the growth and challenges and, and things that we have to push ourselves through and push ourselves outside of our comfort zone and growing in areas and getting better in areas so that we can become the people that we need to be in order to do the things we need to do to become financially free. In business, as an investor, as a communicator, and as an entrepreneur, as a presenter, as a salesperson, whatever it is, um, each of us is going to have our own path. But there's there's one thing we can know for sure is that we're going to have to grow in that path and get outside of our comfort zone. So there's a massive opportunity as the more money we create, the more we grow in self-development. And, uh, you know, also, the more money we create, the more we can create employment opportunities for others as well. And, uh, you know, I was having a having a conversation with my wife the other day, I think it was yesterday about this. And, you know, we're selling one of our properties and, Um, we've had it for about 18 months and we took a look at it we took a look at the numbers and we're like, this is what we invested. And this is what we, um, you know, the profits that we're going to be making out of it. And here's all the expenses in between. And, and we're like, yeah, this is a pretty sweet deal. This is going to be a great deal. And, uh, and then my wife said, yeah. And like, you know, I was just sitting here and I was thinking, how about all the people that we have been able to provide employment for, for the last 18 months, just relating to this one property, You know, there's tons of contractors and cleaners and and all of these people that have been involved that now have had uh, employment created because of it. And even more recently with the whole, you know, coronavirus, you know, stay at home, stay in safe lockdown thing. Uh, there was a point where just before that kicked in, one of our contractors was, you could tell he needed like a little bit of extra money and we could have easily just stopped and just said, you know, like, we're good. We don't need to do any more construction work here. Let's just hold off and and we'll do it later. But we gave him an extra couple of days work because, and it was things that we, we could have, you know, we needed to get done. We didn't have to do it. Uh, we could have put it off, but we wanted to be able to give him a couple of extra days work. And so when you're in a position that like we're in, or when you're in a position of uh, creating more and more money, it gives you the ability to be able to help people in that way. And that's really cool. And, uh, you know, I was talking about self development before, that the more money we create, the more we can help inspire people and draw out the best of them you know, and I I actually do that through management, you know, I've got uh, managers at my mobile home parks, and I've got different people that work with me. And I'm always infusing self development in my communication with these guys, because that is, (laughs) I think it's really important. And you know, if I see something where someone could gain a little bit better from a sales tactic, or maybe they could learn to communicate a bit better, or or maybe there's a, a something that they could do that would be more efficient. It's my opportunity to help inspire people and draw the best out of them so they grow that way. And, uh, you know, once we are taken care of financially, then we have more to give to others. We've got more time, more love, and of course, more money. And I'm sure most of you out there have people in your family that would appreciate that or friends that would appreciate that having more time, more love from you, more attention and uh, and obviously more money as well. And the more we improve financially, the more we improve the other four core areas of our life, which I spoke about before. And I you know, I also mentioned in the first podcast that I had episode one, this book, Secrets of the Millionaire Mind by T Harvecker. And the reason I'm mentioning this again now is because it really, really, really applies to having a sound Success and wealth mindset. Uh, as mentioned in the book review that I did on Secrets of the Millionaire Mind by T. Harbecker, the first half of the book actually walks you through all of the different, uh, well, a whole bunch of different success principles and, and the mindset of successful and wealthy people. And then the second half of the book has about 17 sections where we get to actually go through some exercises ourselves and then reframe, or, or, or maybe to, to say that a different way to pick out the weeds of how negative financial mindset and to replant new wealth mindset seeds so that we can grow successfully. Super, super powerful book. I can't underestimate it enough. Um, you know, I'm going to be mentioning a lot of books and courses. And you know, a lot of things like this, I don't get anything out of this. I mean, I there's no nothing I have to gain by uh, telling you guys about this apart from the fact that it's been really, really powerful for me. And so I highly recommend it for you guys. And, uh, you know, that goes the same for all of the other courses that I'm going to mention and everything like that. I mean, I have two courses that I have. And when I mention those, I'll specifically mention that they're my courses. But apart from that, everything else I'm going to be mentioning on this show is simply for your educational purposes, because I have got a lot of value out of them myself. And Freedom Hack Radio is all about sharing the abundance of freedom and the things that have helped me. I want them to be able to help you, too. So as mentioned, um, you know, T Harvecker here, he actually created Peak Potentials, uh, which has a three day live event, which is the kind of like the live event version of this book created around the same principles. And I believe it used to be called the millionaire mind intensive, I think he sold the company and then It has new ownership, but they still run the same programs. So you can still go and get the same program. I just think they've changed the name now to Millionaire Mind uh, Experience. I think it is, it's MME. You can Google that and find that online. The links for these books and courses and everything, it's all gonna be in the show notes as well. Um, So good to go. So check that out. Um, Highly recommend T Harbecker. He's an amazing educator and he takes uh, what are otherwise complicated topics and makes them really fun and simplified it as well. And I've spent about two years under the training of T Havik programs, and that would have been one of the most pivotal points of my life, highly recommend it. You guys should totally check it out. So we have uh, some goals to work towards with our financial freedom. Financial freedom, I would say, is the most common goal that most of us are gonna have. Most of us are going to be wanting to be financially free. And some of us might have heard about financial independence or financial freedom. So let's quickly talk about what it means. So the technical definition of financial freedom is when your passive income, and passive means, you know, your your investments or income that's coming in from you having to put little to no work into creating that income. Uh, so maybe you have your your money invested in something else that someone else is managing, and then they just pay you uh, you know some cash flow or distributions um, or earnings every now and then. And so that's passive, right? Um, active is actually when you are the one out there managing the deal, let's say you're going out there and you're buying real estate properties and you put the deals together and you're managing, that's actively managing a deal. And that's not really what we're talking about. reason we're talking about passive is because financial freedom is when your passive investments can pay for your lifestyle, your lifestyle expenses. So think about whatever all of your monthly expenses are for your lifestyle. And then, you know, add on the fun things that you want to do, like a little bit of travel and, you know, going out to the movies or dinner or whatever it is you like to get up to, whatever that amount is once you have passive investments, which is investments that you have to put little uh, to no effort into each week or each month. And I'm, I'm meaning like, you know, like four hours or less a week uh, that you need to put into to this to create this, that would be a passive investment. If you're putting four hours or less into managing your investments, then that's pretty passive. And if that pays for your living expenses, then that's called financial freedom. So at that point, you have the freedom to choose whether you want to work or you don't want to work. And most people, once they achieve financial freedom, they don't stop there. You know, um, you know. When I when when I achieved financial freedom, we probably kept working like tons. Um, but it's just awesome to know that we had the ability to not work when we choose to. So then, you know, for example, in the beginning of last year, so like, I don't know, 12 months ago, we spent six months, my wife and I spent six months traveling the world. We went to like 20 countries. And, you know, we worked a couple hours each week and managed our businesses from afar. But apart from that, we were traveling the world and having a blast. It was absolutely amazing. And we have the ability to do that, because we have, you know, financial freedom, we have time freedom, we have location freedom, we can literally run our business from from anywhere, our businesses from anywhere. So uh, it's, it's pretty amazing the concept of financial freedom. And that's usually what most people are going for here. So I think this is especially relevant to current times. Because how many of you out there have recently lost a job, or you're on unemployment insurance, or you've been temporarily laid off, or you're a small business owner, and for some reason that business model got heavily affected by Coronavirus and, and the lockdown and everything like that, it, you will, you would be in a position where I'm assuming if you're not financially free, you'd be wishing you were. And interestingly, although there's tons and tons of chaos going on right now, and and for many of you out there uh, who haven't been researching the economy and researching all these kinds of things, it's it's also uncertain times. Actually, the more that you the more that you become educated on this, the more you would realize that there was going to be um, negative economical effects or economical downturn, regardless of whether. COVID-19 or Coronavirus came along. Coronavirus was really just the, uh, it was the, the pin that popped the bubble, uh, the economic bubble that was going to pop from something anyway. Um, you know, it's true, hardly anybody could have ever predicted that something like Coronavirus would have been the pin to pop it. Uh, but we were going to have an e- economical downturn this year around this time anyway. And those who are privy to following the economy would have actually well, are privy to knowing that. So but the interesting thing about these times is that when there's chaos, and economical turmoil, there's also an absolute abundance of opportunity. So I mean, you, temporarily, a lot of us in the beginning could be fearful and go, oh, I don't know what's gonna happen, blah, blah, blah. But then once you get your head around the concept that these things are actually natural, economical downturns and natural, these things happen naturally, it's kind of like um, a body detoxing and like sweating something out or um, getting rid of some waste. That's kind of what's happening with the with the economy right now. And it's a process it has to go through. But as that happens, um, unfortunately, there's going to be some people who are going to be in not so good positions. And the, the interesting part about that is, is that there's going to be a lot of needs that people have that are going to need to be filled. And then, so there's going to be an abundance, there already is a lot of opportunities, and there's going to be more and more opportunities as the, the next couple of months unfold, as the next year or two unfolds. It's going to be an, an, a, probably one of the most abundant times for opportunities in any of our lifetimes. So that's really exciting. And it's, it's great to put yourself in a position where you can actually be on the end of providing value to a tons of people who need it. There's going to be a lot of people with housing needs and employment needs and, and uh, so really exciting times to be a problem solver in that scenario. Um, so and then, you know, some of you are probably thinking out there, well, you know, I want to get financially free. But also, I really love my job and I want to keep it. And that's totally cool. Because, you know, I became financially free, or my wife and I became financially free. Um, and I still had a day job. I still had a day job, and then became financially free. And then I no longer had to have a day job anymore. And so I totally got rid of that. Uh, and then created all new possibilities for myself or for, and for us once we became financially free. Um, but, you know, if you really, really love your job, that's cool, because you can work with investments on the side or like a small business on the side or a joint venture on the side, or something entrepreneurial on the side, And we're going to get into the different ways in a minute here. Um, and you can create that supplemental income that puts you in a position of financial freedom, uh, and then ex- massively exceeding that because you're also getting the money from your day job as well. Um, but you know, one of the most important things that I always like to talk about with new entrepreneurs or people wanting to become financially free is one of the first things we need to do is reduce our expenses. and Then we can look at increasing our income. And the reason I mention this is because think about it practically. A lot of people go, hey, if I just had more money, that would solve all of my problems. I just need to like make more money. That's it. If I make more money, problems gone. Everything's going to be cool. The interesting thing about that is, is think about just making one extra dollar. If you make one extra dollar, you have to do the work to create earning that dollar and then you get the dollar and then you have to pay taxes on it. And I don't know what your tax bracket is. Let's just use something average and say that you have to pay 30% taxes on that dollar. So you've earned that dollar, you're paying 30% taxes. and Now you've only got 70 cents left, okay? So you actually have to work harder to create income because you have to pay taxes and it doesn't actually equal a dollar, it equals 70 cents. Now, if you reduce expenses, you reduce your one of your expenses by $1, then there is no tax that you have to pay on that dollar. You don't lose anything. You actually decreased your expenses by a dollar. So let's say a really, really simple calculation that you have $3 income can you have $2 expenses, then you're going to have $1 left over, right? And that's money that you can use. Well, there could be cash flow, right? If you reduce $1 from your expenses, and you've got $3 coming in, now you're only paying $1 expenses. Now you just make you made $2, you just doubled your income. <laughs> but if you had of increased $1 in income, now you're at $3 and 70 cents. Cause remember we had to pay tax and your, and your, uh, your expenses still at $2. So now you have, I think it's a uh, $1.70 uh, instead of $2. So see how that works. It's, it's, it's pretty different. Um, and you definitely need to look at reducing expenses. So where do we need to look? First off, we need to look at our personal lifestyle. We need to look at like where we are um, and what expenses we have. And if you don't have a budget, you need to have a budget each month. You need to be able to itemize on a spreadsheet uh, or on a piece of paper or however you like to organize it. Uh, maybe there's probably apps out there that have all of your expenses and know what your monthly expenses are. Know what your monthly income is and know how much you've got left over at the end of the day. And you got to include everything, all of your debt, credit cards, anything that you've got involved, all expenses, even include random things like birthdays that, you know, are always going to come up like your children's birthdays and Christmas and like things that are going to, you know, changing your tires every couple of years or add everything into into your expense sheet for your personal budget and really understand it. And then go through it line item by line item and eliminate the things that you don't need. Because, you know, there's a lot of people out there that, you know, if I just had more money, all of my problems would be solved. But actually, if you just reduced your expenses, you'd already be in an amazing position right now, where you can tuck away some cash each month, and then in a couple of months, you can start investing in an investment. Um, So do you really need to go to Starbucks? Do you really need like, you know, Hulu and Netflix and Amazon, do you need all of those subscriptions? I mean, what are you spending money on? Uh, You know, when we started out, my wife and I got down to complete bare bones. You know, we didn't, we didn't have any expenses in there that were not absolutely 100% necessary. Because if we had an expense in there that was like, at the time, we would have considered it a luxury. um, Like, you know, going to Starbucks and having coffee and, and eating out all the time and all that stuff if we had those expenses in there, then they were getting in the way of our financial freedom. And there was not a chance we were going to let anything like a cup of coffee, or or a a meal out get in the way of our financial freedom. So we knuckled down, and we really, really reduced our expenses. I, I actually know a doctor right now who makes tons of money. And he's actually going through a massive expense reduction because he's downgrading his house sizing. He's getting rid of like tons of expenses. And he's ju- just by reducing his expenses massively because you know, previous to this, he was living a pretty lavish lifestyle. And, uh, and he's just like buttoning down and he's ripping a whole bunch of expenses out of the mix. And now he's in a completely different financial position and he's not making any more income at this point. Um, But he's in a position now where he's got tons more cash to be able to put in investments so that he can fast track his financial freedom. So um, do that for your personal expenses. And then for those of you who have businesses or or investments or anything out there as well, do the same thing for those. You know, if you get in your lawn mode at one of your properties once a week, you know, do you really need to do that? Could you do it once a month? Um, Think about all of these things and go for all of those items. You really need to understand your numbers here. Um, So the three main ways that we make massive wealth, and this is just the main ways, this is not all inclusive there, there's other ways that we can make money. But the three main ways that we make money is number one, in the stock market. And you know, the stock stocks is not my cup of tea. And it's really not my cup of tea. for, For a couple of reasons. One, it's not tangible. Uh, I like to have something that I can that I can hold and own and know that even if like, you know, something happens, I've still got it, you know, and that's not the case with, with uh, paper assets or, or the stock market. So for that reason, I, I prefer tangible assets. Now, I'm not saying that doesn't work for everybody else. It's just personally not my cup of tea. There's tons of people out there that are making a lot of money in stock market. Um, But you know, most people that I see actually don't and only the real, real pros are out there crushing it. Um, So we're going to have a lot of experts on the show and a lot of industry leaders talking about the stock market because it is definitely a way to become very wealthy. And I'd like to learn a little bit more about it myself too. Um, so that's going to be really exciting. So don't worry if, you're, if you if there's some stock guys out and stock guys and girls out there that are like, Hey, wait up a minute, like I've already become financially for you from stocks. That's awesome. You know, tons of people have that's great. We're going to learn about that. Uh, I'm just being transparent to up to this date. It hasn't been my cup of tea. Um, but we're definitely going to talk about it. Uh, Crypto is also something worth looking at. Um, Although I wouldn't put all your eggs in one basket with that. It's it's really volatile like the stock market. And you know, I sort of kind of categorize it in the same sort of niche. It's also very different. But I suppose, you know, if you're matching some things together, stocks and and crypto can have like a similar kind of volatility as well. Um, And a lot of people can make money in that way too. So number one, stocks. Number two, business ownership. Now, business ownership out of all the three categories is probably the broadest um, net that we can throw out there. And there's an abundance of opportunities. Um, And it's all about supply and demand. You know, if you have a product, and uh, you have an abundance of it, not that many people need it, then it's not a very successful business product or item. But if you have something that's in absolutely, absolutely massive demand, and there's really, really small supply for it, then that's a really good uh, thing to base a product or a business model around. And, um, you know, more importantly, providing massive value in niches or niches that desperately need it that is, and they kind of like tie together too. But that's like where people make massive amounts of wealth, because there's a a big need out there. there is big value that needs to be provided, and someone's going to go out there and provide it. Remember before I was talking about, you know, in times of crisis and chaos and turmoil, there's going to be tons of people that are going to have needs, we're going to talk about some of those in a minute here. Um, And some things that you could think about, but this is we're really on the precipice of some of the, the largest opportunities that entrepreneurs, business owners, investors and, and you guys out there that will have in your life because there's going to be plenty of needs that need to be filled. Um, but one thing I see with business ownership, you know, and I see this often is when people go out there, and they don't test their market idea first. And the, they go out there and they spend a ton of money, they, they got a business idea. They're like, Oh, I've got a business idea. It's going to be so cool. They tell their wife and their wife's like, yeah, that's so cool. And then they go and tell their friends when they're having a beer and their friends are like, dude, that's like the coolest idea. You should totally do it. So they're like, okay, cool. I spoke to my wife. I spoke to uh, my buddy down at the pub. Yeah, I'm going to go create this thing. So they go create it. And then they create a website and they spend thousands of dollars and they get the t-shirt and they get the hat and they get the logo and they go out and they get all the like the sales banners and everything like that. And then they go to launch their product. And it's crickets because no one, there's not enough demand for it. People don't really need it. Or well, maybe, they, maybe they don't have the right method of projecting uh, the value of it and they don't have the right sales tactics or something like this. And I see that all the time. Um, but, you know, let, let's go to an example. Like if you're making granola bars and like granola bars is your thing, you don't need to have like the coolest wrapper and like make a freaking cool granola bar that has the ingredients in it that people want. And then have people try that granola bar. And if they're not like blown away by it, then go back to the kitchen and and keep cooking. And wait until you have the ultimate granola bar that's going to fill all the needs of people. um, And you know, have polls and tests and find out like, people that do eat granola bars what are they looking for what's missing from the other granola bars. And then once you have the ultimate granola bar, And then once you know that you're selling it, you could just be wrapping it up in some in something, you know, paper bag or something like something simple. And you start selling them and start getting some volume going. And then once you've got some transactions consistently going in place, and you're really building momentum, then go out there and get the awesome website and the the logo and the banners and boom boom crank up on your expenses in your business and grow exponentially. But you definitely got to test your market first. Um, And you know, you might be out there as entrepreneurs, we might be testing a few things, we might test this and this and try try a few different things. And maybe that one doesn't work, this one doesn't work. And then bang, you strike gold. And when you strike gold, when you know that you have something that's really successful, and you're seeing good progress with it, stop everything else put your foot on the gas, and just give it all your attention and laser focus and go for it. Because obviously, that's working. And that's the business that you need to grow. And then once you've got that completely, completely under control, and you're really crushing it, um, then you can branch out and then you can, you know, maybe work on the other ideas that you had or, or reshape them to make them a little bit better. So but you must be laser focused and choose one niche, you know, I mentioned in my first podcast, that's what happened with me in the beginning. I was I was trying to do, you know, stocks and business ownership and multi level marketing and real estate and I was spinning plates, I was having like mediocre success in like seven different arenas. And it was it was it was really tiring. It was exhausting. And it was, you know, it wasn't really that gratifying, because I wasn't having that much success. But then I stopped, I knew it was going to be real estate, I chose mobile home parks, there was tons of other opportunities that came along. And I always, I just said no to everything else and just stayed laser focused on mobile home parks. And you know, once I made that decision became financially free in two and a half years. So if I had have stayed trying to work the other seven different business models or whatever, I probably wouldn't still I still probably wouldn't be financially free today. So you definitely need to laser focus and choose one niche. And then once you've absolutely mastered that and got all of your systems in place, and once it's running like a smooth old machine, only then should you branch out and then work on other things. Otherwise, we're just going to be dispersing our energy and having mediocre results. Um, Stick to your plan and put in consistent productive effort for at least 12 months. Now, I mentioned productive effort because I mean, you could say, hey, man, I've been working on my business like eight hours a day, but you're working on something that's actually productive in, in creating income for the business. And so you need to be working on the things that create income for your business. And that's the important part. So productive effort, creating income, um, and stick to your plan for like 12 months. You know, a lot of people give up so early. You know, there's, there's um, a concept, I think there's even a book out there called Three Feet from Gold. And, uh, you know, it's, it's like, I think there was a guy who was digging and digging and digging in the gold rush. And he tried all these different ways. And he used all these different sort of um, shovels and different picks and different ways to dig. And, uh, and he's just like, man, I've just, I'm done. I'm freaking been digging for this thing for so long, there's supposed to be gold here, can't find it. And then the next guy comes along, picks up where he left off, and the last guy was literally three feet from an absolute abundance of gold. If he just had of kept picking and shoveling for an extra three feet, he would have got it. But he didn't. He gave up too early. And I see entrepreneurs do that a lot. It's like, you know, oh yeah, I tried really hard, man. And I tried everything. Okay, cool. How long did you try? Well, like six weeks. Are you kidding me? You seriously think that you're going to change the world in six weeks? Um, stick to it to at least six months, but I'm, I'm personally saying 12 months and, uh, but test your market first and make sure that you're getting into something that is, is a need and you're providing massive value. And, um, you know, where I see opportunities, and this is just my opinion, where I see opportunities existing in the next 10 to 20 years is in right brain creativity because machines cannot replicate that, um, I think it's fair to say that we can expect to, to see a lot of artificial intelligence, robotics, computers, replacing things that people in the in the past and, and currently now are doing or have done. And but the interesting thing about that is, is, um, in our brain, we have the left and right sides of our brain. The left side of our brain is the analytical spreadsheets, numbers, calculations, formulas, data, it's that side of the brain. It's like very mathematical engineer, um, analytical side of our brain. Okay, that side of the brain, or those kinds of activities, when we are left brain dominant people, Um, or when we're doing something that's left brain dominant, like being like engineers or mathematicians or anything like this. Those types of careers and tasks, I think we're going to see a lot of replacement with artificial intelligence, computers, robots, because they that's how they work. They are like left brain orientated style of doing things. Um, But the artificial intelligence and computers and robots, I can't see them dominating right brain activities, like being a visionary, and being creative, and um, being artistic, you know, these things, it's going to be like, I don't know too much of technology that can actually replicate that to the levels that we can do that as human beings, we're very creative people. Um, We can be very intuitive, we can we can be very entrepreneurial from that perspective. And I think if we focus on those areas, we're kind of safeguarding ourselves a lot more from being from us being replaced or our industry being replaced or competition being replaced by machines, automation, artificial intelligence. So definitely something to keep in mind. Uh, And then so that's stocks. And then business ownership. And then number three, sorry, number three, uh, real estate. And, you know, I'm involved in real estate. That's my main niche. Uh, I, I am also involved in business ownership as well, but real estate's my main niche. Um, I invest in mobile home parks and automatic telemachines. They're, they're my main sub niches. Uh, and I know automatic telemachines, you're probably thinking, well, that's not real estate. And it, it isn't, but kind of is as well, because think about it, we have automatic telemachines in really, really prime real estate in, you know, New York and Pennsylvania and those surrounding states around there. And we have ATM machines in the, the areas of really high foot traffic, like insane high foot traffic. So that's how kind of real estate plays into that investment model. Um, and I've I've teamed up with you know some of the the top of the top automatic telemachine machine operators in the U.S. and um, you know we've just got really really prime real estate to put these machines in, so that's why it's kind of a real estate play for me. Um, and then you know in mobile home parks, that is just I mean right now couldn't be more relevant with all of these you know, people going on unemployment and people in the future and now like downsizing their homes and in financial turmoil and financial crises. mobile home parks perform like really well. Because you know, as people are downgrading from their living expenses, like whoops, better better cut down like uh, my rent by 500 bucks a month. So I'm gonna have to move from this place to that place. As all these people are moving down, everybody's compressing at the bottom. And pretty much some of the cheapest uh, real estate that you can get, or rent, or um, or have lot rent or, or home rent in America is mobile home parks. And uh, there's an absolute abundant need for affordable housing in America. It's one of the the biggest sort of really heavily untouched topics in. The economy and real estate in America today, and and for the last like few years, especially since 2008. And that's not going to change anytime soon. There's a massive, 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 massive demand for affordable housing for people to stay in a place where they're paying about, you know, $700 or less for their living expenses, you know, for their rent and home rent or whatever. And, uh, you know, there's mobile home parks really limited. There's only about 45,000 of them in America. It's just not enough mobile home parks to be able to fill all the people that need affordable housing. And there's actually a 1% decline in mobile home park inventory because they close more parks down than they open them. So there's a massive supply demand issue there. So you know, mobile home parks is kind of like an insurance through these sorts of times. And it's typically called a recession resistance uh, asset class because of that. And so automatic telemachines, because right now, automatic telemachines, people getting their unemployment insurance card, you go to an ATM, draw your money out. Um, A lot of banks are closed, people using ATMs and maybe people like you and I don't use those, but uh, some of the lower demographics, that's where we really get a lot of traffic from the lower demographics and people, um, you know lower income uh, people and uh, they use ATMs uh, a ton so and they're using it much more right now so on real estate and this this applies to business as well uh, there's there's basically two types of investing I touched on it before quickly touch on it again now passive versus active investing um, passive investing is you take your money, and you give this money to uh, someone who's operating a deal, and then that operator will manage the deal, they put the deal together, um, you're basically buying a passenger seat on a plane, you know, as a passive investor, and and you're betting that, that person is going to fly you to the destination you want to get to. And when we're talking about it financially, they're going to give you the returns that they said they were going to give you. And um, you want to have trust in that person, yada, 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 and you want to understand the investment, but that's a passive investment. And we're going to talk a lot about this much more in other episodes, this is just sort of very high level today. And then there's active investing, that's where you are the person that goes out there and puts deals together. And maybe you manage the deal, and you're very active in the role, and you spend a lot more time involved in the actual investment, because you're managing it, you're working it, that's a very active role. Uh, I am an active investor and a passive investor. And some of you out there, if you don't have the time to go out there and put, you know, 20 hours a week into actually working on your own investment model to become an active investor, and it's probably a better idea that you become a passive investor. Um, if you're going to be actively investing, I think you need at least 20 hours a week to do it successfully. Unless you're going to, you know, do it really, really slowly. I mean, you could probably spend 510 hours a week, but it's going to be a, a much slower path to financial freedom. Um, And then you know, when you're a passive investor, there's actually two types of passive investors that the SEC considers. And that is an accredited investor and a non accredited investor. So an accredited investor, it's kind of like a line that the SEC, the Securities Exchange Commission draws in the sand, a line they draw in the sand, uh, where they say an accredited investor is someone who meets these following requirements, they have a net worth of a million dollars or more, not including their value of their primary residence. Okay, so it's a net worth of a $1 million or more, or you can qualify by the following two ways on your tax return. If you add income, of and you file your taxes, singularly as a singular person, if you had $200,000 income each year for the last two years, and you're going to be like that in the future, or more, um, then you're considered to be a, a credit investor. Or if you you file jointly with your spouse, then it's $300,000 a year each year for the last two years with the anticipation that you'll do that again this year and moving forward. Um, and then you'll qualify as a credit investor. There's a bunch of investments for accredited investors that uh, it's sort of like, you know, big boy investments. Uh, There's, there's a lot of investments that aren't available to people unless they're an accredited investor. So if you're an accredited investor, you meet those requirements. If you're not sure if you meet those requirements, talk to your financial advisor, your CPA, Um, they can actually let you know if you if you uh, credit or not. And then it opens up to a much larger field of investments. Okay, but don't worry, because if you're not an accredited investor, and I wasn't an accredited investor when I started out, um, then you're, you're a non accredited investor, or it's also called a sophisticated investor. And in that circumstance, then there's other requirements where you can actually get involved in a deal, as long as you understand a little bit about investing, um, and you've had a bit of an education background and whatnot as well. So, you know, almost anybody can get involved in, in investments. Uh, there's just different investments that you can get involved in, depending on if you're accredited or non accredited. Um, and some of you out there may want to raise money for investments. And and that's also called syndication or syndicating a deal where you put the deal together and you bring in investors capital. Uh, there's a lot of rules and everything that apply to that. So make sure that if you are going to take that route, and I, I mean, I highly recommend it, I think it's great. Um, I, I've done it myself. I mean, whatever works for you will work for you. I've used syndication and raising capital to build my portfolio. It's been a really, really powerful tool. It's been amazing. But there's rules that apply to it. Okay. And there's heavy penalties as well. So we want to make sure that we're definitely getting properly trained. Um, I actually have a, a home study course that I created with my mate, Uh, Mr. Reed Goosens, who's a really successful multifamily entrepreneur and syndicator. Um, It's about a 10 hour home study course. Uh, I'm not really going to talk about it much here on the show. uh, But it's a possibility for you. If you if you're interested in that, just email me Bryce at freedomhackradio.com. And just say you're interested in the raising money uh, course, home study course. And we can talk about that. But there's other courses out there. The main point is is go out and get educated before you do something like that, because you're you're getting into very dangerous waters of, of lots of different rules and everything. You're, 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 you're managing other people's money, and you want to make sure that you're doing it completely correctly. And you know, there's three niches or niches. I like to say niches because it rhymes with riches. <laughs> but there's three niches that need value to be provided in the real estate world that um, I think are pretty important right now and definitely as the next 10 years unfold as well. So I'm not saying that this is the only area of real estate that that hasn't a need. But I see these areas as really standing out because um, there's going to be a massive need to fill some value in these areas in the coming years and, and now as well. First area, affordable housing already mentioned that before with mobile home parks, it's not physically possible that mobile home parks can solve that problem. uh, Because one, there's not enough uh, allowance from cities to be able to build mobile home parks, like you can't actually build mobile home parks in many places. There's a lot of restrictions on it, they'd actually rather rip down a mobile home park and put in a high rise. um, Because it it looks better for the city or, or maybe it makes them more money or something. But so there's a supply and demand issue there. And we can't really build more mobile home parks, right. And on the other flip side of the coin, it's not really that profitable to build a mobile home park from scratch, it's much more profitable to buy a used one and turn it around kind of like really fixing it up, fixing up a mobile home park and making it better. Um, And that's that's what I specialize in. That's what I do. But affordable housing is massive need for it. And so I think this is an opportunity for us as visionaries, and as people creating freedom lifestyle for us and for other people, that we get creative and think about ways that we can provide massive value and provide affordable housing. Now, there's like tiny homes, it's a movement. I don't know if that's going to solve the problem. Um, There's a certain amount of people that would want to live in a a tiny home. Uh, They're also not extremely cost effective. So I mean, they're small, they fit the space Uh, sizing that people probably looking for, especially in bigger cities, but I don't know if that solves a problem. But it it is definitely a niche, something to look into. Um, Definitely possibilities there. Uh, There's also, you know, shipping containers that can be converted into living spaces for affordable housing. Um, You know, you have to jump through some hoops of different, different hoops with like zoning and, and codes and ordinances and stuff with that. Uh, but then there's also right now with this whole Coronavirus lockdown thing. There is so many retail stores and so many commercial real estate buildings that are closed down and that are not going to open up again. But uh, one, because maybe they didn't make it through financially, or two, some of them are just going to say, Hey, man, like the fact that this could potentially happen again, and we could go through this lockdown thing again, I'm not taking that risk. We're out changing business model, you're out. Tons of people who are renting those retail spaces and in commercial buildings won't have a use for them anymore. So there's going to be an there's going to be real estate sitting there, that's probably going to be cost effective. That uh, maybe not straight away, but in the in the coming months and years, it's going to be cost effective, and there's an opportunity to be able to convert some of that real estate with creativity and with working with the city and the zoning apartment and and uh, but be able to convert some of those into affordable housing, uh, and we can do this in rural areas as well. But if you're thinking of like how you can create affordable housing, creative ways to do that. It's a massive, 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 abundant opportunity that exists in America. Um, So if you haven't already started tapping into it, perfect way to to start and start solving some problems. That's area number one. Area number two, senior living. Uh, Don't know if you guys are really up to your date on on uh, any statistics with the baby boomers. But the baby boomers make up for the largest population uh, that exists in America. And over the next 10 years, just due to natural cycles of of human beings going through their life cycle, there's going to be a lot of baby boomers who are going to be retiring, they're going to be downsizing their home, Uh, they're going to need a senior living. And so there's going to be a whole bunch of opportunities that exist around that senior living, assisted care, assisted living facilities where they have like the the doctors and nurses and everything on site, uh, housing for seniors, Uh, and then there's also going to become a whole bunch of uh, houses coming as new inventory on the real estate market. Because some say some of these baby boomers are going to be coming to the end of their life cycle and liquidating their estates and getting rid of those houses. And, and before that, some, some of them will actually just, you know, sell their houses and downgrade and go into uh, a senior living facility or assisted living facility or something like that. So pretty hot topic um, There's it's, it's, it's a pretty involved business as well, because it's not just real estate, if you're in the actual senior assisted living, uh, business model, if you're in assisted living, then there's the whole medical element to it as well. I think it's a really, really great thing to get involved in. I think it's also going to take a, a little bit more to wrap your head around everything and really know what's going on there. Because there's also, you know, quite a lot of responsibility there as well. We're dealing with like real tangible, you know, old people who need care. And we need to make sure that we completely understand that side of things. So that, you um, so that we can effectively have the best situation for everybody. So a little bit, a little bit more complex, but massive need for that as well. There's going to be tons of baby boomers that are going to be in a position where they're going to need that in the future. There's going to be tons of homes that are going to come available as well. Millennial housing is the third uh, section, and the reason I mentioned millennial housing is uh, it's because the sentiments of baby boomers. Generation X and Y and, and millennials, we change, we change our sentiment, we change our priorities, as we're going through different generations, you know, you know, baby boom is super hard work ethic, you know, millennials different, you know, millennials, freedom's more important. You know, I hope we've got a lot of millennials listening to this out there, uh, because freedom is important. Uh, travel is more important than like having a nine to five and uh, so I think quality of lifestyle uh, is more important to people, meaning, you know, more freedom and things in their time and, and, the, and the things that they can do is more important to millennial people. And a lot of millennials actually would prefer to have a smaller house, to have different living circumstances, having different technologies in the house. Um, it's, it's, we're talking about a different generation. And we've catered to a lot of previous generations, but millennials, I mean, that's up and coming. That's our future. You guys are our future. And is there's a massive need to fill the housing needs for millennials as well. So with a bit more creativity, and really tapping into what the needs are for millennials, I think that's another area that we could focus on and be very successful in the next 10 years, if we apply it um, from the right direction. So Uh, I I hope you found that pretty valuable. And we're going to be digging into all of these topics, like tons more. Again, this is a really high level chat. I'm trying to like bust through as much that I can here to just wrap our head around the financial wealth concept and get get you guys started in the right direction. And then as the weeks unfold and as the podcasts unfold... We're going to be digging into each of these things on a much more granular level. And we're going to be talking about an abundance more topics that you guys can benefit from. Uh, We're going to be talking about precious metals. We'll talk about cryptocurrencies. We'll talk about different entrepreneurial uh, things. And we'll talk about our mindset behind uh, being successful with wealth. And we're just, it's going to be abundant. So really excited about that. We've got a lot of exciting industry experts joining us in the coming weeks to really uh, before we move on, I'm going to give you my, uh, my two cents on uh, financial advisors and retirement accounts in a minute. And then, and then we're going to wrap it up here after we discuss a few things to consider. Uh, but if you really want to understand money and monetary history, then there's a series on YouTube called the hidden secrets of money. And it was it was put together by a guy named Mike Maloney. And Mike Maloney's, a, he's, a, he's a gold and silver investor. He has his own website, uh, gold silver. And, uh, but he's put together this 10, 10 episode series, you can see it on YouTube, you can also see it on the gold silver website, there's going to be links uh, in the show notes as well. It's called the hidden secrets of money, 10 episodes. Each episode goes for about half hour to about an hour. Most of them are around about half hour. And they're pretty quality production too. He's traveled all over the world. He's put together probably some of the most comprehensive um, information on how money really works and like how that works in our economy and and how money printing works and how that works with the Federal Reserve. It's it's super, super, super interesting. And I think it's something that all of us need to at least understand the fundamentals on. And he, he put a little bit of money into producing these uh, documentaries or or uh, series. I think he put about a hundred thousand dollars into each of the episodes, so he spent about a million dollars all up. And it's pretty sound production. It's it's very enjoyable to watch. And Mike Maloney has the ability to be able to take what is otherwise a complex topic with really complex terminology and make it really simple and present it in a very uh, very enjoyable and simple way. And it's it's also very visually. Um, stunning the way that he's put all of this together. And uh, so highly recommend that. So you can click on the links in the show notes or go to YouTube and check out the hidden secrets of money series. Uh, And then uh, before we wrap up here, a couple more things. So my two cents on financial advisors. So a lot of people out there have relied on or anticipate relying on a financial advisor So the the financial advisor can guide them to become financially successful. And you know, you know, guide them through their what investments they should make and what they should do with their retirement account and all of these things, right? A lot of people do this. But one uh, one thing that a lot of people don't think about is like, so for example, if we're going to get a health coach, or a fitness coach, are we going to go out and get a fat one? I'm not going to get a fat fitness coach my fitness coach better be like, way, 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 way fitter than me, uh, for me to pay him money to teach me to get better. And that's the same way that we should be looking at financial advisors. So like one of the first questions I would be asking uh, my financial advisor is what's your net worth? And if they don't have a net worth that exceeds where you want to go with your immediate goals of financial freedom, maybe, maybe to be financially free, you want to have $10,000 a month, or maybe it's $6,000 a month, or maybe you want to have a million dollars, whatever it is to you. If your financial advisor isn't massive, massively exceeding where you want to go, then he's not going to be able, or she is not going to be able to help you in the way that you would like them to be able to help you. It's like asking a, a fat, out of shape fitness instructor to take a take us to the next level. It's like they haven't done it themselves. Like they might know some things in theory, but unless you've lived it, unless you've done it, I'm not going to be taking any advice from you. You know, I take financial advice from people who are really, really freaking successful because that's the direction I want to go, you know, and i same thing if I'm if I'm taking advice from relationships, you better damn well have really good relationships if you want me to actually listen to your information and uh, infuse it into my life or take it seriously or consider it right. Um, So one of the first questions you want to ask if you have a financial advisor, you want to ask them what's your net worth because that's super important. My two cents on retirement accounts and pensions, I'm not going to get into this like super deeply. Uh, We can talk about this more in other episodes. But there's basically two different types of generally retirement accounts, there's the ones that you don't have control of, that you don't self direct. And that's what most people are involved in. And that's where you get all your financial advisor or, or you've got a job and they say, Hey, we've got a retirement program, we've got like in America, they're called 401ks. Um, IRAs, Roth IRAs, SEPs, all these different things. Um, In Australia, we call it superannuation, Uh, there's different names for it in the UK. If they're not self directed, if you don't control the choice of what investments that you're going to put them in, and I don't mean like your financial advisor or your work gives you a piece of paper and it says, this one's a, a medium risk, this one's a low risk, and this one's a high risk, I'll choose this one. No, because those kinds of investments are actually, those guys have have financial incentive to be able to present those types of investments and packages to you. And just because they say that they're a low, medium and high risk investment, maybe in comparison to each other, they are uh, the way that they've calculated them. But doesn't even mean that the, the low risk investment is even a low risk investment in the whole scope of investments. Um, and unless you're unless you actually understand investments, you probably wouldn't really know that and there's a lot of people that have invested, uh, in their retirement you know money comes out of their paycheck every month and it goes towards this retirement that they don't have control of they're not choosing exactly what it gets invested in they're just choosing option a b or c and that and the person who's presented that to them is actually getting financially compensated for presenting that to you and they're and they're most likely pretty low-grade um, investments that may not even be making you much money or maybe even be losing you money if you're putting your control in that to be the thing that takes care of your retirement, uh, I would highly urge you to reconsider that, Um, you know, wherever you are right now, it is what it is. But you need to start looking into self directed retirement accounts. And the difference with a self directed is, is you're actually going out there, and you're finding the investments that you want to invest in with your retirement account you're actually directing where the investments go. You're saying, Hey, uh, I want to invest in uh, that gold and silver. I want to I want to get some more gold here, some silver here, some precious metals. Um, I want to invest in the stock market here. I want to invest in that and that and that a little bit more money comes in from because you're paying money into your self directed account. uh, And then well, I've got some more money in here, I want to get involved in in this particular real estate investment here, uh, because I want some cash flow there, I want some equity there, I want to hold some wealth there. And you can control your own investments. This is what this is the way that successful, wealthy, abundant people control their financial future through retirement accounts, it's through self directing. Now it's not the only way to invest, we don't we don't have to invest through a, a retirement account, we could do it just through our own investments that aren't actually tied to a retirement account. But if we are talking about retirement accounts, let's look at self directed, self managed uh, retirement accounts, because that's where you're actually gonna you have the possibility of creating much more wealth that way than the the low returns or actually negative returns that you can make over time uh, from the normal retirement accounts and pensions, which there's a whole book on it right now that Robert Kiyosaki has written. And uh, I haven't actually read this book. So let me just hold it up there. I haven't actually read this book. uh, So I can't fully comment on it yet. But I've got it, I've purchased it, and I'm excited to read it. And I'm going to be reading it soon once I finish the books that I am reading. Uh, but I've seen uh, him talk about who stole my pension on a podcast series that is uh, on YouTube, and I think it's like a five part series and uh, i can have a link to that at the bottom of here as well and you can get a little bit information on what the book's about and what the concerns are with a lot of pensions and retirement accounts over the world because they've been poorly managed and the bankers and and people uh, on wall street that have been managing these have been making a lot of funds but they've been investing them in poor investments and losing money for people Uh, and it's actually a big topic that we're going to hear about over the next 10 years And there's already started to be riots about it in Italy. And it's something that we need to wrap our head around. You know, if if you've been involved in that kind of thing, look, it is what it is. But it now's the time where you can start looking into that and start making some changes there. Uh, There's still time to make changes. So uh, a few more things for you guys to consider, and then we're going to wrap it up here. So when you're getting involved in an investment or a business idea, make sure to follow your gut. You know, one of the first things that my wife and I did is we, we, we really wanted to be successful in the real estate world. And so we ended up getting this like, I think it was like a $30,000 um, investment group that we joined and we got a mentor and we got a little bit of education. It was, it was a complete waste of money. We, we bought into our mind wanted us to, because they were selling the dream. Hey, man, you just like invest thirty thousand dollars in this, and you you'll be the best real estate investor ever. They didn't provide, and we even knew that in our gut. My wife and I spoke about it afterwards because we followed our head, because we really wanted that outcome for ourselves. But we knew in our gut that there was something that was like off. And we, we, we spoke about it afterwards and we're like, man, like I had a feeling in my gut. And my wife said, yeah, I had a feeling in my gut too. Well, why didn't we speak about it? We should have spoken about it because we both had the same feeling. And, uh, you know, I suppose it was a pretty expensive mistake. Uh, but I don't regret it because it was a very, very impactful lesson that when I'm getting involved in an investment or a business model, I've got to listen to my gut or your heart. or or wherever it is that you get that like intuition. Um, Because if something's off there, it's something you need to look into. Um, So we can we can want the desired outcome. but If we don't feel that that's like, if we feel something's a bit off, don't go forward with it. Okay, listen to your gut. Uh, That's been a very, very, very powerful tool for me as an entrepreneur, as an investor and as a business owner. Another thing is, is be very clear on your ethical and core values. And don't compromise them to make money because you might get excited again about the outcome. But then, once you get involved in it and everything, if it's not in alignment with your core values and your ethics, it's going to cause disruption in you. And it's going to show up and it's not going to feel good. And you're not going to like it. And other people around you aren't going to like it too. So don't do it to yourself, you know, I mean, for me, I've had a lot of opportunities to invest in oil fracking investments. And, uh, you know, I love planet Earth, I love nature. Um, I suppose I'm a little hypocritical, because I drive a car, and that takes gas to drive the car. Um, But I, I just can't bring myself to invest in something where they're like, you're drilling for oil and pulling out like limited resources out of the earth. I it's just not something that I believe in. And look, if, if some of you out there enjoy, enjoy that, I mean, each to their own, I'm just giving you an example. For me, there's a, there's po- tons of possibilities for me to make abundant, abundant money and abundant returns with oil fracking. But I'm just not interested in it. It's it's like it's not it doesn't align with my ethical and core values. Um I've got a mate, Reed Goosens. He's going to come on later in one of the shows. He's, uh, he, he went from zero to a quarter billion in real estate in like, you know, 11 years. Fascinating story, real great bloke. Um, you know, we wrote a book together, this book here, 10,000 uh, Miles to the American Dream. We'll talk about that later. But anyway, Reed, um, super top bloke, uh, great surfer, uh, really uh, athletic out, outdoors guy. He's another Aussie as well super awesome entrepreneur. And uh, he to him, it's really, really important to to save water. And so like, it's just something one of his core values is really important to save water. And he's got about a quarter of a billion uh, of multifamily apartments here in the States. And so when they purchase uh, a new apartment building, they go in and they put water saving uh, things in the toilets and the showers and everything like that, because it's, it's aligned with his ethical and moral values. Um, my wife doesn't like 5g, there's 5g investment that came over our table the other day, um, we've done a re- bit of research on it. And there's a lot of health Uh, risks there that seem very, very questionable. And so um, my wife was like, Well, this seems like a really, really cool investment, it actually seems like the investment would work well, it's something tied to 5g, there's not a chance, we're going to invest in it, because we're not going to support that kind of thing. So I would would heavily suggest that you get really, really in touch with your core values and morals and ethics. And don't compromise them going through business at all, because it's not going to work out for you. It's just do the things that are true to you and you will flourish. (laughs) So uh, and absolutely obsess with education, make it your new pastime. Uh, One of the things that you need to do on your path to becoming financially free is really, really grow. You need to become a better investor, better business owner, understand investments, understand business, uh, self develop, be a better communicator, be a better negotiator. Um, be more grounded uh, spiritually when you when chaos is going on around you and, and be have better relationships. These are all things areas that we can grow in. I absolutely obsessed with education and took massive action on it. And I think that was one of the And I'm I'm still absolutely obsessed with education right now. Obviously, you have a little bit of an obsession. If you're listening right now, this is a form of education. Um, Keep that up, spend a lot of time on it. Don't stop. Education is huge. You're never going to stop growing if you keep learning. Um, And I said this earlier, but if if you can cut out 20 or more hours a week to dedicate to becoming financially free, then you're on the fast track. And for people who want to be an active investor, Uh, If you've got 20 or more hours, then I think active investing would be pretty good for you. Not to say that you can't do that if you're working under 20 hours a week on those investments, but it's just going to be slower. So if you want to go on the fast track, carve out at least 20 hours a week. Um, In the beginning, I had a job, I was working like 8-10 hours a day, five days a week, sometimes six days a week. And then I would work another 40 hours a week after work, I would go to the gym, work out and come home and then real estate, real estate, real estate, real estate, education, real estate, real estate, real estate. And all my friends were like, well, why don't you come to the baseball game? Aren't you come to the barbecue? Like, what about the concert?" I was like, dude, I've got to work on my financial freedom. I'm not going to stop for that. And then, you know, funnily enough, when my wife and I traveled around the world for six months, and so when we take like tons of other trips for like three months, and we we're going all over the place my friends are like calling me up. And they're like, dude, like, what's going on? Like, you've been traveling six months This is like, it's amazing. I'm like, yeah, remember, when I didn't come to the baseball game, and I didn't come to the pub. And yeah, that's why. So if you really want to get serious on it, you can you can do it quickly. And some of you out there that don't want to do that. And if you want to go slower, go slower, I mean, you know, what's going to work for you. Um, and, and not everything that I say on this show, and not everything that everybody else says on this show is going to resonate with you. Um, You pick and choose what works for you and work with that know what your reason why is and set goals. And I'm not going to dig into this too much right now. I've got an ultimate goal template completely free. It's what I use uh, every year. It's completely changed. My life It's changed me as an entrepreneur, as an investor. So if you want the the free ultimate goal template, it's got instructions and everything completely free. Just email me bryce at freedomhackradio.com and I'll send you a copy and, you know, I'm going to provide links for everything that as we discussed in the show notes. And, uh, you know, if you go to bigger pockets, I actually just wrote an article there called warning the five reasons. Uh, it says, it's actually called warning five reasons the 2020 recession will be far worse in 2008. Um, and it's actually an article I wrote on sort of the, the state of the economy and some possibilities of how we can sort of protect ourselves and things to look at and how to best position ourselves and where opportunities exist. Um, but jam packed in there's ton of links to a lot of the things I've mentioned here, and a lot more valuable information of financial information, a lot of links to videos and articles and whatnot. So if you go on bigger BiggerPockets um, and check out Warning, five reasons the 2020 recession will be far, far worse than 2008. I also have a, a link at the bottom here. You just click on that link and go check out that article. There's tons of links in there. Um, whether or not you're, you're that interested in that article is your own decision. But there's just tons of links in there that I think you guys will find valuable to expand your financial um, education and understanding and become a better entrepreneur and investor. And, uh, you know, lastly, you know, find an investment model or business model or niche, target it, find it, then set your goals, laser focus, And then tenacity, tenacity, tenacity. Because if you put two people beside each other, and you want to see which one's going to succeed, I can guarantee that the person who puts in more drive and more hard work and busts through challenges and doesn't take no for an answer, like that person is going to win is going to be more successful. And it's not really about like competing with other people. It's more like competing with yourself. Like am I being the best that I can be like, be true to yourself. Or was I a little bit lazy today? Or could I have done a bit better today? Um, Compete with yourself more than other people. So you can be your best self, rather than like coming from the perspective of like, "Hey, I'm going to crush that person. I mean, I suppose a bit of uh, competitive camaraderie is cool. Um, but you're best off competing with yourself so that you can be the best you can be. Because it doesn't matter what anybody else is doing. Like, are you at your max potential? Are you at like, are you operating at like 110%? Um, And and if we're not financially free, at least in our financial area of our life, we most likely, we haven't been performing at 100% uh, because I believe that if you're listening to this podcast or watching this on YouTube or or watching this through the uh, Freedom Hack Radio website, then you can become financially free. I mean, I talked spoke about it before I've got, you know, there's people out there that are quadriplegic disabled single moms, like you can do it guys, like, you can do it. Um, so, And we're just about to wrap it up here. So for some of you, you know, this may have been a refresher. And, uh, and for some of you, it may have opened a whole new wide world of different terminology and different things. And so I kind of had to start somewhere we're going to dig in a lot deeper, a lot of these things later on. Um, But I suppose at least this is a starting point. And uh, I'm really excited for you to join my special guests from Episode seven onwards, as we dig into like a lot of different ways that you can improve things financially, and obviously all the other areas uh, of our life as well. So uh, make sure that if you guys and you know, I truly hope that you get a lot of value out of this today, you know, it's it's a lot of information, I I jam packed it in there. Um, but I wanted to, like, have a good place to start. So if you appreciated it, uh, we would much appreciate if you would subscribe to um, the YouTube channel. Uh, Freedom Hack Radio is a YouTube channel. So subscribe to the YouTube channel, give a thumbs up, leave comments there. You know, this podcast is designed for you guys. You know, I don't necessarily uh, get, like, massive gains out of this podcast. This podcast is designed because... I didn't live a freedom lifestyle. I took action and now I do live a freedom lifestyle and it's so freaking amazing. I can't believe this amazing life that I get to live. It, I, I just, I, I feel like it's my ethical and moral responsibility to share this with you guys and to like open up some some minds of, of you guys and open up possibilities for you and let you know what's possible because I didn't know it was possible for me um, until I started looking for it. So If you're listening to Freedom Hack Radio, clearly you're looking for it, and I really want you guys to get the most out of it. And I mention this because the more feedback I get, uh, the more I can shape this podcast in the direction that you guys want it to go to. So if there's certain topics you want me to discuss, or if there's something you want me to dig into deeper, leave it in the comments. Let me know. Leave it in the comments on YouTube. You can also email me, Bryce at freedomhackradio.com. And if you just appreciate it and you like it, leave a comment on that too. So uh, really appreciate that. The more likes we get, the more people that subscribe, uh, the more that you guys interact, the more that we'll get this out there, the more people we can help. So really, really excited about this. You know, I, I I want a million people, at least a million people to... Have a freedom lifestyle in the very very near future because um, they have been listening to this podcast and like taking the actions and, and I hope that in some way this podcast has influenced them and driven them to get closer towards their goals and live the true freedom lifestyle that they want to live because you all of you really 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 deserve it, and I, you know I just wish this so much for you like some people want to go out there and you know build a church or have a no kill shelter for for dogs this is my thing guys like i want you guys to live a freedom lifestyle there's not enough people out there in the world there's not enough people here in america that are living a freedom lifestyle we need it we deserve it you freaking deserve it and so i'm really excited for you guys to take massive action on that path thank you very much for joining me again this podcast is all about you guys so all of your feedback is greatly appreciated Until next week, live large, live free. Talk to you soon.